Welcome to episode 146 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jace. I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are we going today, fellas? Going well, thanks, Jace. Leading into the festive season, parties are beginning. Um, yeah, so feeling very up and about, my friend. How are you, Nick? Looking sharp? Oh, yeah, you know, just doing my best trying to keep up with you, to be honest. But um, no, going well after our big uh, big interview with uh, with Ryan from Dashboard. Just, yeah, looking at all the uh, all the things that we can do inside of our business. I noticed Jace hasn't washed his shirt yet. He's, uh, I've been, I've been he's, sleeping in this shirt. I'm obsessed. Right on the Ryan great. train, so it's quite sickening actually. But what a what a good uh, good interview. But looking forward to um, getting back to our main man, Marty Vitikovic, and sharing some Marty gold today. <laughs> How are you, Jace? That shirt starting to smell, or all good? Nah, nah, all good. I, I got sent like a ten pack of them, so I've just been. Uh, it's ten days straight now, just repping the uh, dashboard insights T-shirt. You know, we've got to make sure. Did you get sent those or the numbers game team? Oh, um, no, just Marty and I haven't got yeah, one. No, no comment. No comment. Uh, might have forgot to distribute them to the whole team. I've got one that's, uh, yeah, I wear to bed, and then one that I wear to work. So it's it's working out quite well for me. But um, no, Marty, you're talking about our silly season. The amount of things going on. Um, Greg and I were at the old Melbourne jail for an event uh, the other week, and. I thought you know, the the different ways businesses are you know putting on their Christmas parties or end of year events and getting real creative. But uh, Worrells were were the business they do insolvency and God they put on one hell of a party like open bar cocktails. You roll into the old Melbourne jail, which is like quite a interesting place to go to to have a function. You got all the old jail cells and the memorabilia, or call it memorabilia, like whatever you'd call it. There's a string quartet playing Eleanor Rigby Beatles. So it felt like real, there's a bit of a charm to it. And then a live band kicked in and there was a guy doing the caricature drawings, the cartoon dude. Man, it was it was fun. Of course, Greg and I were the last two people there being asked to nicely to leave. Um, but- Isn't it funny that um, you know, we're talking about cost saving and you know businesses winding back and the insolvency business is absolutely flying and throwing big parties yeah well there's, there's a, don't want to there's say a, it, but. yeah yeah well i think uh the given the 2019 2020 2021 2022 was record low insolvency numbers off the back of uh the ato putting a bit of a freeze on on everything with covid let's just say now that that freeze is unlocked i think uh the insolvency land is booming We'll continue to, and it's great to see that a place where, you know, murderers were hanging out is now such a place of joy with Eleanor Rigby <laughs> playing. And, and I know since Dashboard Insights, I've been wondering why Jace has been smiling so much. But, you know, Ryan in the previous episode was talking about efficiencies creating 10x profitability. So, mate, I'm looking forward to the future advisory Christmas party. Uh, I don't care where it is, but, you know, Nick and I are just wanting to, you know, just drink some of that gravy, my friend. <laughs> well, uh, Kat, Caitlin, if you are listening, make sure you, you get those invites in the mail as soon as possible. We're, we're yet to send them out yet, but, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, speaking of Dashboard Insights, uh, this episode is brought to you by the great team at Dashboard Insights who have gotten behind the numbers game. Um, they'll connect your data into custom stunning dashboards so you can make data-driven decisions attract and retain high-performing employees that love access to their data, improve your productivity, your profits, and your cash flow. Check out dashboardinsights.com. Marty V, what do we have on today's episode? Well, I wanted to talk about Black Friday. Um, And I was just thinking in regards to inflation being high and we're trying to control inflation. 
Uh, could Black Friday lead to a dark start to 2024? Um, obviously, we've got Christmas sales coming up as well, leading into Christmas, naturally. And uh, But there was 10 million people that were reaching for their credit cards to shop on Black Friday, which is 14% up from last year. So quite phenomenal numbers. And retail sales volumes that have dropped over the last three quarters, which is the first time since the GFC actually, are really exciting. But what I'm starting to see is Black Friday is starting to turn into Black November. You're starting to see all these discounts with sometimes 25% off, 50% off, not only running just for one day, and you see it on, in the retail stores out there as well as online, that this has become not just a one-day event. This is now mm. expanding for two weeks. And I think retailers obviously need to be able to cash in. And look, it's good for the consumer too, getting discounts uh, during these times. So in 2022, they had $7 billion in sales. And what the expectation is that they'll be around about 9.5 to 9.8 billion in revenue for 2023. So again, inflation, inflation, inflation. Oh my goodness. Uh, the average spend per person was $440 this year, which is up from $380 per person in 2022. So some really interesting numbers there to start off with. And it's the Black Friday sales are 20% larger now than the Boxing Day sales. So it is really taken off. Have, have you uh, got the credit card out at all over November and uh, shopped up, boys? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I um, I bought a new golf bag, surprise, surprise, on the weekend uh, online, but only because it was, well, what I thought, very cheap. It was 30% off. Um, I've needed a new one, but I've been putting it off because there's only, you know, I just didn't really, really need one. But um, it popped up because obviously I've been looking at it and trying to choose which bag I wanted. It popped up on the weekend and it was 30% off at this particular place and it was too good to say no. So I um, I bought it. So, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a victim, Marty. I'm a victim of um, Black November. You've been persuaded <laughs> by the Black Friday dealings. I got my wife a birthday present. Um, did I just say that out loud? So is her birthday next June? Is that why it's funny? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's coming up. And uh, Yeah, but it's, it's amazing. They're saying that 44% of people uh, make decisions on the day to buy, like the actual Black Friday day, and then another 37% plan to get a good deal for Christmas which is interesting how that's become, you know, the Christmas shopping uh, period is in now Black Friday. Jace, have you, uh, have you picked up any deals? Not not yet, but I feel like I'm missing out. I think uh, Casey's had a delivery arrive every day for the last two weeks, so I dare say she's uh, heavily partaking in the Black Friday, Black November, half of October was Black. Apparently, I saw st sales starting mid October for some companies. Black 2023 um, at our house. I black, think if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, I think, yeah, the amount of deliveries coming through. I don't know if you've seen or heard of um, the thing Girl Math, but Kay sent me through a screenshot of a dress and she's like, What do you think of this dress? I said, Yeah, it's, it's nice. Why? She goes, Well, I need to spend another $42. I'm buying a present for a birthday coming up, but if I spend another $42, I'll get free shipping. 
And I'm like, oh man, this if this isn't girl math, I don't know what is. But yeah, so I think yeah, case is heavily partaking. I, I'm so far not. But you mentioned golf stuff. I did just get a set of clubs off a mate, so I need to get I don't know 56 degree or some kind of wedgy thing that I haven't learned what it is yet. So Both. you need uh, 56 and 60. Bang! That's what I need. That's boy math. Yeah, boy math. This is great. <laughs> and because um, because Mike shouted to Mike and Animal Carpentry has been sending me links. Now all the advertising algorithms know that I'm in the market for some golf stuff. So I've got nothing but golf ads all over my uh, Instagram and and other pages. So it, it's a really having clients that are in ecom and retail as well. I mean, it's one of those things is like focusing on margin and and are they actually profitable by the time they run their ads and discount their products you know did did they actually come away from october november with profit in the tank and when you are i guess ripping into your margin for the sake of keeping up with every other business doing your black friday deals then you risk not getting your christmas sales because everyone's loaded up for christmas taking advantage of a sale I do really worry about what happens in December and then leading into January 2024 and beyond. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued, that's for sure, as to what, what the outlook looks like. Yeah, well, I think if uh, if we do have an interest rate rise in February, uh, Black Friday uh, is to blame and the people on the numbers game here, uh, well, Casey as well has contributed <laughs> to that interest rate rise, so you know you know who to call and who to hook up with on uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, Two thirds of sales are made online, which is interesting in itself. So it's amazing how how many people buy online. I think from you know even ten years ago, uh, people would always say, "I'd never buy online. It's yeah, it's too risky." But just how far that uh, economy has come is incredible. And uh, two-thirds of all Black Friday spending will be in three categories, clothing, shoes, and beauty, 30%, electronics, tech, and entertainment, 21%, and furniture and home lifestyle, 17%, which are the three major categories. Um, And, yeah, I I just – I come back to – even though I'm talking about Black Friday tongue-in-cheek here, I'm coming back to spending habits and behaviours of the general consumer. Because as we've talked about in the podcast, you know, savings have diminished over the course of what's happened with interest rate rises and cost of living. But everyone is up and about for spending when there's a sale. And to me, again, I just want to put it out there, it's never about what you're saving. It's about what you are spending. Mm -hmm. And and like you talk about boy math, girl math and all that, <laughs> but it's like and every other math that's out there before I get into trouble or something. There's about, so, 200. <laughs> There's about 200. Can you start from I, the top I and know, go through? I'm not going to go through the list. I'll, I'll send it to the website if we need to. Uh, but I just go, you know, there's to me there's always like you've got to have your own discipline. Sometimes you talk about a budget discipline and we've talked about that in the past and how you need to know your numbers and your expenditure. But what about your savings discipline? And mm. something I want to share with, and this is you know me before 35 years of age and after 35 years of age that made a huge difference for me. I was always really, really good in business in creating good profit margins. So I knew expenses, I knew upside, I knew to create strategy and logistics to make sure I maintained a certain margin. But before the age of 35, that never applied into my personal life. That was basically, you know, what I was earning was going out the door because, you know, 
I wanted the next best thing. I wanted to keep up with Joneses uh, and everyone else in the street. And you just find that if you haven't got a buffer of savings, you are just going sideways. Even, even when you've got assets working for you, you're still not optimizing your position. And one of the big fundamentals I learned after 30, 35 years of age was how do I ensure that I keep 30% of what I earn, like the net earnings I make personally that I earn, that I keep to either put into a mortgage or to invest in something else and just orchestrate my life to create that same discipline that I was very good in in business, but I wasn't so good in personally. And that was a huge game changer. So it meant if I was making a personal investment decision, that if I couldn't maintain that 30% savings buffer, then I had to question as to what changes did I need to make in order to be able to want to do that and to do that or not not do that because otherwise it would always be, yeah, I'll just do it, it'll sort itself out. I'll do it, it'll sort itself out. Just go for it, you know. I was very aggressive by nature, very competitive, driven. But that's a good thing in one way, but you need to have boundaries around that drive as well. So I would encourage people to adjust their expenses accordingly and also just work out what are they going to do to maintain all their hard work, all their hard work for it just to go month to month and not have any upside on that. You know, just just really hone in and create an upside for yourself and make the adjustments personally so you've got it there to put it in your mortgage, create equity, to put it into investment, to grow wealth, make life easier for you as you get older. I wish I could talk to every 20, 25-year-old to be doing that at an early stage. And as you then earn more money, that benefit actually expands for you. And that's the beauty of it. It's all about the right disciplines and that discipline will expand as you go. We all tend to want to have high leverage, which is risk in itself. You know, we all want to leverage in order to get assets and everything. But And sometimes when you're younger, you do need to do that to get into the market. So I, I get that. But you at least, if you are doing that in early days, you still want to have a buffer that you've got money to put towards something, you know, towards that investment or that home or uh, even pumping it into your super, you know, whatever the case may be. I want you to get ahead. So, and if you don't know where you're going, you won't get anywhere. And I think that's the thing, how often life gets busy and we don't pay attention to these things. But I find what's really helped me is just having some really simple, basic ratios that I stick to. And when I'm going outside of that, you want it to be a hell of a good reason. And you might be able to orchestrate yourself back to those good ratios within a three-month period of making a decision. So yeah, I thought I'd just share that because that made a big difference uh, in my life uh, and just gave myself some self-disciplines to know that the hard work that I was doing was actually going to something that was going to help me personally down the track, which if I didn't change it, it would have never happened because I would have kept leveraging up. I could have would have gone to the next opportunity. I would have been very diverse in my interests, uh, which is my natural personality. So I had to create just some simple techniques to make sure I had set boundaries so I could still do that within the boundaries. And that made a big difference for me. So does that resonate, lads? It's a very personal um, type of way of operating. But, um, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, that's 
personal, but it's also um, makes a lot of sense. And this is we we've spoke about this before um, on the podcast, and it's something we talk about to all of our clients is just reverse engineering your budget and understanding mm-hmm. uh, the things that are important to get you ahead, which is you know debt reductions and savings and investments, and then just ensuring that that money comes out first. And that's what I mean by reverse engineering. Um, instead of getting to the end of the week and going, oh, I've got $100 left, so I'm going to save that. Do your budget, work out what you should be saving each week, which also uh, means you're working out what you should be spending because the one thing that we need to cover off is the ratio doesn't have to be 30% as it was with you, Marty. Everyone's situation is different. Correct. There's, you know, there's, there's kids, there's school fees, there's all these things, there's mortgages. Your ratio might be 5%. And if that makes sense, then that's actually okay. It's the discipline in sticking to it, um, but you also have to have in that budget. You also have to have in there your spending. You know, um, mm. if you if you're allowing yourself two or three hundred bucks a week to spend on yourself, that's okay as long as there's some some element of saving in there as well. And when you get paid, the money comes out, goes to the saving account. The money comes out, goes to the wealth creation or debt reduction account, and that's not negotiable. The money comes out and goes to the spending account. And that's what you've got to spend. And once that runs out, you stop and you wait to next week or next month, whatever you're running your budget, whatever time period you're running your budget over, and then you spend that money again. So it's the ratios are not well, – they are important. You know, mm. Don't spend 99% and save one. But what I'm saying is 30% can sound daunting to some people. So the ratios can be what works for you. Um, it's just finding the discipline to stick to them. And if during October, November, and December you're in a negative ratio because of Black Friday and Christmas, just make sure that for the other nine months of the year you're in a bigger positive ratio to make up for that. Looking at you, Casey, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I, I like the way you've shared it and spoke about it, Marty. I think um, I had some little flashbacks to like it must have been one of our first 10 episodes we did. I think I almost cried talking about you know being in my late teens, early 20s, I had credit card debt. I was hopeless with money. I was just spending to try and keep up with, you know, yeah, studying at uni, but just I wanted to live live a good life, like, the, you know, ahead of, beyond my means and ahead of my time. And, you know, I, I financed the the better car because I didn't want to drive the not so nice car. And I just made some, some bad decisions. So, you know, it, it's all about creating that budget, creating good habits, as you talked about, Marty, and starting with something that's manageable and, and to build those good habits. So, you know, now actually having, you know, a, a method to the madness of, you know, X amount of the salary goes away. And and as you said, Nick, it's the first thing that needs to move out of the way because if, if it's in your account and you can see it, you can spend it and touch it, it's too easy to buy the extra coffee or to have the targeted ad pop up on Instagram and go, actually, yeah, I wanted that and buy it. And you see the money in your account. But if you're moving your savings out of the way first, every time you get paid and it goes into that high interest saver or your offset account to lower your mortgage interest rate or your mortgage repayments um, or into some other kind of investment, shares, whatever your poison is, but it's it's that's the thing that has to go first. If you leave it, sit there, you find a way to spend it. It's the psychology of the way we're wired when it comes to money. So great tips from you boys, smart yeah. smart guys. Yeah, and I, I like the fact like, like when we talk about budgets, yes, we want to save money. Um, given you know, high cost of living. But a lot of people don't think about that 30% even as an emergency fund. Like if mm. something goes wrong, that you've got that as a you know, as a backup. Um, like you said, Jay, even if you put it in a high interest account, you put it in shares. But, but also no one understands the compounding effect of that mm-hmm. discipline. 
and what that does for your life. And that's why financial planning is important. So you get an understanding of what that upside is for you. And like I said, you can you can choose that number regardless of how challenging it might seem. And a lot of the times it's challenging because of the ego. And I know a few people who want to have discretionary money left over to invest, even during these times, have taken some pretty what people would think are drastic measures, like sold a car that is a high expense car that they want something that's cheaper and you know more economical because they want to have money to set aside for their future. They're thinking about themselves in five years, in 10 years' time. And that's a courageous decision. That's not an easy decision when you want, you know, when you want that next car, you know, to show you're doing well. So that's the thing. Just it's 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 a courageous decision, but they're great decisions if it's getting you to where you want to get to and you're adapting to the current economic climate as well. So again, just like business owners, personally, we need to think about these things in the same way. What adjustments need to be made? How can we generate some additional money into the household as well? You know, not to stress people more by having to work more, but sometimes there's some clever ways. It might be eBay. It might be you know, lots of different ways you can generate income that you can put away something for yourself and your family. So just want people to get thinking on that, you know, budgeting, but also putting money aside so you can still continue to build wealth in any market. So yeah, hope that's helpful. Thank you, Marty, for sharing. And thank you to Dashboard Insights for their sponsorship, the right information to the right people at the right time. Thanks for listening and until next time. Well, the way we're going, we might have grey December. Game (laughs) over. (laughs) 